0: That's why we are called grace through faith. Everything is by grace through faith. And, and now, I just want to show you one thing which connects with our vision because many people, they use this scripture to lead people to come to Christ. They say, oh, you know, God loves you. It's by grace. It's not of works, you know. You just come as you are and then you're saved. But there's one thing that many, many people, many believers don't get is that to be saved is much more than your sins to be forgiven. In fact, your sins were forgiven many, many, many years ago. All you need is to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The word to be saved, to save, or saved, or salvation, it comes from a Greek word called sozo, which means to be whole, to be made whole, to be made complete, and to lack nothing. Now, the word salvation, it carries five important words five important meanings that you need to understand. And number one is forgiveness of sins which we all know, right? But many people many religion, religion it will pack you there. Your sins are forgiven but you need to work your life, your life out. But no, salvation is much more than that. It also means physical healing. Amen. Just as you are saved, you have, your sins are forgiven, you are physically healed it also means deliverance from every kind of oppression that's salvation it also means protection to be protected of the lord that is salvation and it also means prosperity so because jesus died once can we agree on that one least? Yeah. so if he died once he died for all those things once Hallelujah. which means it comes as one package when you are saved your sins are forgiven so to speak but you are physically healed you are delivered you are protected you are prosperous in the same package Amen. but someone will say oh, well I'm healed but I don't see the healing well I'm the, I don't see the prosperity I'll ask you one question If somebody comes and they say they want to to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you pray with them, they are saved, right? If next week they come and they say, ah, you know, you prayed with me, but I don't feel saved. Are you going to pray with them the same prayer again? No. No. Why? Because they were saved when they prayed, isn't it? What you need to do now is to teach them the word of God so that they understand that they are Safe. saved. Amen. In the same way, when you pray for somebody to be healed and they don't feel it, what they need is not another prayer. What they need is understanding of the word of God so that the, 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 the healing now will be to come out from their, their spirit realm. The same with deliverance, the same with protection, and the same with prosperity. Amen. So right now I'm talking to people who are prosperous. You may feel like, oh, but I don't feel it, I don't see it. You need to go into the Word. That's why when you come, we give you the simplicity of the Word and the power of the Word. And you are able now to take into your prosperity and be effective. Amen. Amen. Now, someone will say, but how do I apply it? It's so difficult. It's very easy. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. In other words, the same way that you receive Jesus is the same way that you receive healing, is the same way that you receive deliverance, is the same way that you receive protection, is the same way that you receive prosperity. And how do you do that? By grace through faith. When you accepted Christ Jesus, maybe you had committed the worst sin and you felt like you didn't deserve it. But how did you receive it? Did that stop you? No, you were still saved. Why? Because it is by grace through faith. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. So, in the same way, you receive your healing. In the same way, you receive your deliverance. And when you have received it now, you don't continue to pray asking for it. You now thank God for it and begin to go into scriptures so that you are able to to understand and receive it, Amen. That's our vision, vision, uh, vision verse for the week. But we are we are we want to continue with our series. Uh, for some of you who are joining us, we have been we have been talking about your dry season is over. That's the series, and now we are on part three of the dry season is over. I would encourage you that you indicate through the grace communication card if you want the other two messages because they will just bless you. And, and, and after today, I tell you that uh, you will never be the same again. And so part three, we are looking at Jesus' first temptation. We're looking at how Jesus uh, went into the wilderness so that we don't have to go into the wilderness. Jesus suffered on our behalf. So that we don't have to suffer, and so today we are we are going to start looking at the temptations. We can't cover three three of them because there's a lot that we need to do, and so we are looking at the first temptation, and it is an identity check. In other words, you you are checking yourself: who are you, and what do you do, and where what do you belong, and, and and so on and so forth. And so the key scripture that we have is Isaiah 43. Verses 18 to 20. It says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen people. You know, sometimes when you read the Old Testament, it's kind of confusing whether, when is it going to happen, and and, and what shall I do to make it happen? But I want to encourage us as church that there's one thing that's very important. We should always read the scriptures in context. What it means is you don't pick a scripture and run with it. You need to read the scriptures before above and the scriptures below so that you get to understand what is he really talking about and the second thing is we need to interpret scripture with scripture. I don't just begin to tell you what I think this scripture is saying. I need to look for other scriptures to support what I think it is saying and that is very very important and so the context of this prophetic word, it is The verses before, which is verses 15 to 17, it says, I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and horse and the army of the powers, they shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinguished, they are quenched like a wick." you can see that uh, this passage is telling us that this God is the God who made a way in the sea and he's talking about the Red Sea. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they were crossing the Red Sea and he made a way where there was no way, where there was water. So he's kind of saying, look, the same God who did this, he is about to do a new thing. So this is to encourage you now that you are not banking on a God who may let you down, but He's a God who has done it before and He will do it again. And what did He do in the deliverance of the Red Sea? be blessed. He demonstrated mighty power. I mean, water, it piled up like, like sand on this side and on that side. And the children of Israel walked on dry ground. And when the armies of Israel Of of the Egyptians, they came, the water closed in and killed them like that. So he demonstrated mighty power. Number two, he did the impossible to keep his covenant. There's another series that we've just finished that the blessing is in the covenant. Here the children of Israel were under the covenant of Abraham. So God had promised Abraham 430 years earlier that your children will go to Egypt, but after 400 years, I will take them out. So because God had promised that he was going to take the children of Israel out of Egypt and the time had come, and there was the Red Sea, then God said, Red Sea or no Red Sea, my children are crucified. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's the God of Yosef now. It doesn't matter whether there's a red sea. It doesn't matter whether there's a mountain. It doesn't matter what is standing in the way. Because your time is up. That thing is going to move in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And then they say, God fought for Israel. And I really like Joshua chapter 2 verses 8 to 13. This is Rehab, the holiday, the prostitute in, the, in Jericho who was talking to the spies who had come to spy the land. And when they were about to go, she began to say that we have heard how your God crossed the Red Sea. And the, all the armies in this place, they are in terror because of you. That was 40 years after. Hallelujah. You see... And yet the children of Israel died in the wilderness, afraid of these people who were afraid of them. Can you believe that? Because God, when he delivered you, it was such a deliverance that all your enemies, they are in terror right now. That's why you should not be afraid of anything. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of your boss. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of your, your landlord or oh, whoever, or oh, whoever because of your deliverance through Jesus Christ. Because when Satan saw your deliverance at the cross of Calvary, he was terrified. And he has been terrified since. You just need to go like, do you know how the children of Israel overcame Jericho? They didn't shoot a, a single shot. They were just marching around the walls. Silent seven seven in one day for seven days. On the seventh day, they went round seven times, and you know what they did? They just shouted, amen. and the walls came down. Yes, All you need to do is to begin to praise God, and the walls will come down amen. in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah! Amen. Now, come concerning the wilderness. Come back, do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now he is saying, whilst you are reading this, remember that this is the God who did mighty deliverance at the Red Sea. And he is telling you this now. And you can easily believe him. You can begin to see what he is saying. And look what he is saying now. He is saying, what I am about to do, but we know that is already done. It It far exceeds the deliverance at the Red Sea. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? Satan and the power of sin were completely rendered useless. They were they were they were they were they were neutralized, they were they were they were destroyed, they were disarmed once and for all. And the requirements of the law were fulfilled. My God. There is no law that is demanding anything from you now. And the consequences of law, the side effects. Did you know that the law of Moses has got terrible side effects? And some of you, you are still recovering from that. But it will help you to recover very quickly. In fact, after this session, you will be done. Some of you. Amen. And God released abundant blessing. Abundant grace. Now, this is not just happening to 3 million people like at the Red Sea. It's now happening to billions of people. It's a mighty deliverance. And this is what Jesus was did at the cross of Calvary. And so what we are saying is, Jesus went to the wilderness and to the cross so that you don't have to go there. You don't have to go to the wilderness. You don't have to entertain anything. It will come and it may come and by all means it comes but you should always be above it in Jesus' name. And so we're going to our message for today. That was not the message. That was just introduction. Amen. Might as well get used to me. We are talking about Jesus' first temptation to turn stones into bread. I'm sure we know the scripture, isn't it? Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the, devil, by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. And now when the tempter came, he said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And we all know the answer. Men shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And I'm sure we quote it every now and again, isn't it? Now, there's one thing that we need to know because we believe in grace through faith, right? There is a misconception about grace. Grace does not mean you will not be tempted. Jesus was full of grace and truth, and yet he was tempted. So don't begin to say, "Ah, this grace thing doesn't work." If it works, how come this is happening? How come? No, you are missing the point. As long as you are in this fallen world, things happen. Life happens. Praise the Lord. And so we need to understand what is happening here. The first thing is that this scenario—it is a replay of the Garden of Eden. Because in the Garden of Eden. You remember Adam and Eve were tempted, three temptations, and this is the first one. And we are saying Jesus went through these temptations in order to, to defeat devil at ground zero. Before he started moving on. Amen. We say, I think last time we said it was the handover takeover. Because Jesus came to finish what Adam failed. He had to pick up the pieces from where Adam left it. And he left it in the wilderness, and that's why Jesus had to start his ministry in the wilderness and change that wilderness into a garden. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And how did he do it? He had to go through what Adam went through, and that's why we call it an identity check. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the whole thing about food it was appetites, the temptation of appetites, and that is what we are struggling with here every day. And you see, how did it happen in the Garden of Eden? When she saw that the tree was good for food, it was good for food. And you can imagine what people do because of food. Now, I'm going to share with you three things, and then the other two we'll share next week because if I just combine them, it will be a bit bit messy. Number one thing that you need to know when you are confronted with temptation so that you are able to overcome temptation is you need to know the real target of the temptation. It is not food. The devil will tempt you with food but what is after is not food. You need to know that. Because in the garden, again, if you eat this, you will be like God. This is what the devil was saying. And to Jesus, he said, if you are the son of man, are we together? And you and me now, it says, if you are a Christian, why is your life so upside down? It's the same thing. Just different colors. The devil is not after you eating food. The devil is after your identity. Because when he takes away your identity When you don't know who you are now He will give you his fake identity Hallelujah. And when you, are, you have got his fake identity now You will do what that identity can do But when you know who you are There are certain things that you will not do Because you know who you are Hallelujah There are certain places that you don't go Because you know who you are Why? Because you've got an identity and so the devil, number one point, is to try and distort your identity. That's right. mm. So this whole temptation, it had nothing to do with food. It had to do with identity. And I say, many people, we are in an identity crisis. What it means then is that you need to know where you find your identity. And you need to be so sure about your identity because temptation will come It will begin, the devil will begin to say, Ah, so you guys, you think you've got the revelation of grace. But what's happening is to that. He wants you to shake, to doubt what you believe, to doubt where you're standing. And when you start doubting where you're standing, guess what? You become shaky. And when you become shaky, he will then give you his alternative. And you buy into it, and you're down. You are down. Number two, your victory is in knowing your identity in knowing who you are and where your identity comes from I want to tell you up front your identity does not come from the church if you tell the the, the devil that well I'm from grace through faith they say oh yes but who are you do you know I think is it uh, in Acts chapter 16 or 17 uh, the story of the sons of Sceva some of you need to read that These guys, they saw Paul casting out demons. And they approached a demon, possessed person, and they said, I cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preached. You see the Bible? And this demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? He beat those guys up. They went, they were naked. That demon, it beat them up. Why? Because these guys, they were talking about the God whom they don't know. They were talking about the power which they don't have. In other words, you need to know your identity. When you know your identity, the devil also knows it. He will not come. He will not come. And you need to know where it is coming from. Your identity does not come from the church. Hallelujah.
1: Your identity
0: does not come from your family. Your identity comes from God. Amen. We come together as church because we have got the same identity. Glory be to God. You see, Jesus overcame the devil because he knew his identity. He did not overcome the devil because he was God. No. When Jesus was on on earth, he did not use his divine power, his divine authority. He used his humanity. And again, we're reading from chapter 4, isn't it? You need to read the last verse of chapter 3 to get the context. And this is the context here for you. When he, that's Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well. Now, Jesus knew his identity and where he came from. He knew that his identity was he was the beloved son in whom God is placed with. Now, here is the story. From God, this is my beloved son in whom I am well placed. You see, you need to know what God says about you. I'll come to that in a little while. You see, because the power comes from knowing what God says about you. Mm. Not what people say about you. Because we can say something about you today and tomorrow we change. Depending on the weather. And and depending on how it was when when I was at home. You know what I mean? But God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's interesting now, you need to get this one. When Satan was tempting Jesus He deliberately avoided two words, two phrases. Beloved and well pleased. He just said, if you are the son of God. (laughs) And that is deception. It's almost like true, and you'll be tempted to prove himself. But if you know who you are, you don't have to prove anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you are busy trying to show people who you are, you don't know your identity. When you know your identity, you don't worry about people. They'll get to know you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But you see, the devil deliberately avoided too beloved. Because the minute he says you are beloved and you are pleasing to God, it means what he's about to say doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So he chooses things that work for for, for, for his point. But Jesus knew that he was beloved. And Jesus knew that God is well pleased with him. Therefore, this guy is a fake. I don't have to talk to him. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. Do you know that you are the beloved beloved? of Lord? Do you know that God loves you? You see, because the devil will try to use present circumstances to confuse you and to challenge your identity. And once you don't have an identity, have you heard some people when things have really hit hard, they say, ah, I don't care. If you hear somebody saying they don't care, they've lost identity. They don't, they've forgotten who they are. And they don't care. And people who don't care, they do anything. But not you. Hallelujah. Amen. Not you, because you know who you are in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to show you very quickly. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Amen. Hallelujah. It is this grace now that has made you accepted in the beloved. Remember, Jesus is my beloved son. And because he is pleasing to God, whatever the son says, the father will agree to. And the son says, This one is mine. And Father said, it's okay. You are accepted. The word accepted, it's this word, the Greek word, that way you get accepted. I think it's only used twice in the Bible. The first part is here. The second part is in Luke chapter chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, highly favored. The same highly favored, you can translate it, accepted. Highly favored of the Lord, accepted of the Lord. Mary was highly favored because she was going to carry Jesus in her womb. But you are equally highly favored because now you carry Jesus in your spirit. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. But now you are even at a higher level now because Mary carried the Jesus who was a baby, the Jesus who had not been glorified, the Jesus who had not killed, uh, who had not defeated the devil. But you carried the glorified Jesus now. in the same power that is in Him that rose Him from the dead, it is at work in your life. Amen. My goodness. When you know who you are, Things will just begin to crumble. They will just fall in place, and you will not be intimidated at all. It's also interesting to know that you were made mm. accepted. Mm. You don't try to be accepted. It's like, you try. It's like that table was made. It cannot try to be a table. It's either it is a table, or it's not a table. Period. You are accepted by God. That's that's liberty. That's liberty. So don't try to be accepted by God. You're already accepted by God. You just need to say, Lord, I thank you that you accept me. If you think you're miserable, if you think you're terrible, don't begin to say, but Lord, I'm so miserable. Just say, Lord, I thank you that you love somebody so miserable like me. Amen. Amen. because God did not make a mistake when he chose you. Amen. Goodness. No, now here is a snapshot of your identity in Christ. In fact we are going to, to be talking about this, your identity in Christ more and more because really that's the key thing. But I just want to give you a snapshot. You are one spirit with the Lord. 1 Corinthians 6.17 he who is joined with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. You don't have the spirit. You are one spirit with the Lord. That's your identity. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. You again, you were made righteous. He who you know sin was made sin for your sake. So that you become you become the righteousness of God. so if we believe that God could take our sins and put them on Jesus so that Jesus become a sinner and goes and die at the cross of Calvary, you should also believe that Jesus God took the righteousness of Jesus and put it on you and make you righteous. that's the gospel. hallelujah. You are the blessed of the Lord. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the Lord our God.
1: We have blessed us
0: with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You are blessed. That's why maybe some of you have heard me. They ask me how are you. Or, I, I just hear yeah, I'm blessed. Because I need to remind myself who I am. Sometimes you know life happens. And you really feel like oh I'm so down. You need to rise up and begin to remind yourself. I am the blessed of the Lord. I am the blessed of the Lord. I am the blessed of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, this one will kill you. First John 4 17. As he is, so are. so are you in this world. I believe in this world was, was put there for, for the religious people. Because the religious people would think that, uh, oh, I am like him when I go to heaven. In this world, before you go to heaven. You are like Jesus. You are like the resurrection Christ. That's why nothing can stop you except yourself. That's just a snapshot to put things in context. You see, it's all about... Uh-oh. Something happened here. It's all about the goodness of God and we need to make sure that we know our identity and as we know our identity we are able now to deal with the devil and when we deal with the devil he has no place and so as we have seen that number one you need to understand that the temptation the real nature the real target of the temptation it is not food But it is your identity. And you need to know that your identity, it is your ticket that will give you victory in everyday life. Amen. Praise the Lord. So what we're saying is you need to know that you're accepted of the Lord. And you are one spirit with the Lord. And you, have, you are the righteousness of God you, you don't have righteousness You are the righteousness Of God okay, in Christ yes. Jesus okay. It's not something that you have But it's something that you are hmm. Point number three Point number three is Your victory Over the wilderness is In knowing what is written You remember Jesus said to the, to the devil It is written. Mm. So you need to know what is written. And this is where we Many of us will miss it here. And I'm going to give you some revelations here. Now, when Jesus said it is written, this is much, 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 much more than just quoting the correct scripture. And we find a lot of believers they think they are quoting this scripture but things are not happening. They are quoting that scripture and things are not happening. And they are wondering. They are saying, "Ah, but this temptation keeps on coming. I've quoted that scripture. You need to know what is written. When Jesus said it is written, it is much more than just quoting the right scripture. Mm -hmm. So even if you just say, hey, by stripes I was healed. Here they go. You need to know what was written. You need to know what is behind all that stuff. Now, Jesus was making reference to the abundance of grace, even in the wilderness. I will show you, that's why you don't need to miss next week. Because I will show you the abundance of grace that is in the wilderness, or that was in the wilderness, and yet people died in the wilderness. In other words, if you like, when he says, "Shall not, shall not even pray alone, but by every word that." Depends. In other words, even if you 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 go through the wilderness, guess what? There is food for you there. You don't starve whilst you are in the wilderness. Hallelujah! And this food will keep you going. It is like manna. In fact, if I may go ahead of my message, it is like manna. It was coming every day. That's right. There is abundance of grace even in the midst of your challenges right now. And when you feed on that now, you will forget that it's an abandoned. It's, it's 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 a wilderness. I always put it this way: that you know, I've got this lovely ring that my wife bought me twenty six years ago. Hallelujah! It's not one hundred percent gold, but suppose it's one hundred percent gold. It's a gold ring. And suppose I lose it in mud, and I'm looking for it. Does it lose its value? It still remains a gold ring even though it is in the mind. as a matter of fact something special happens the man now becomes golden mud because the ring is there your problem is going to become a golden problem because you are there hallelujah when you know your identity guys You will not be shaken. You will not be shaken. That's right. That's right. But that's for next week. I just want to say here unlike Adam and Eve, Jesus referred Satan to the word. When he said, It is written, he was saying, Satan, go and read there. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Go, wrong postcode. Go over there. Mm. It is written. He was telling the devil where to go. He was showing them, look, I'm not like Adam and Eve who didn't know the word. I know the word. I know what is written concerning my life. I know what's written concerning the situation I'm going through, and I know what's written concerning my future, and you are not part of it. Get lost. Ah, glory. In other words, don't handle the word as second-hand information. Don't begin to say, ah, you know, our pastor is so powerful. Yes, that's why the devil is not going to your pastor. He's not after your pastor because your pastor is powerful. But what about you? (laughs) When you're dealing with the devil, you don't tell him, our pastor says this, in our church we say that, no. That's second in information. You need to say, I say this, get lost in Jesus' name, and the devil will get lost. Because you own the word, you make the word... Eve was a target because she got it secondhand from Adam. Some of you need to ask yourself why is the devil troubling trouble me? Is it because I, I handle the word of God as second hand information? Because if it is first hand information, the devil knows he will not come. He has got limited ammunition, you know. You'll not waste it on where it is just going to be wasted. Number two, you need to know what is written. Now here, religion has put a heavy burden on people. And I'm sorry to say that even today, some people right now, they are recuperating at home because they've been hit hard by religion. You see, because religion adds on to the world. That's right. And it started in the Garden of Eden. Do you know how it started? They sold these clothes from leaves and added on to themselves so that they would be accepted by God. That's religion. If you're trying to do something to be accepted by God, it's an add on. And we call it religion. It's heavy. I'll give you some scriptures as, as, as we close. Number three point here is that where do you refer your problems to in life? Some people, they say, oh, well, this is my problem. Ah. You are taking ownership of your problem instead of taking ownership of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. For you, for some of you, not really you, but those who are going to listen from what I'm saying, you know, your problem is more real in your life than the Word of God is real in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's where the problem is. The Word of God should be more real than the problem. Where do you refer your problems? that? You refer them to the Word. That's why Jesus said, "Speak to the mountain." You speak to the mountain about your God. You don't speak to your mountain. You don't. You don't speak to God about your mountain. Many of you every night before you go to sleep, you now refer God to your problem. You need to refer the problem to your God. How together? This is knowing what is written. But like I said, the simplicity and the power of the gospel will help you to know what is written and will help you to know what to say. And when you say it, you say it with authority and you don't repeat. If you have you heard some of these prayers? Spend hours saying the same thing. Huh. You see, if you are royalty, do you know that the king, even the president, if you have got a president or oh, the king is making a decree, he doesn't. He or the queen—they don't say it aloud twice. They speak it once. Yes. Why? Because it's not in the volume. Mm. Hallelujah! Yes. It's not in the repetition. Yes. It is in the authority with which it comes. That's right. That's why you have got the authority to, to command sickness to go. That's right. You just say, "Hey, headache, go in Jesus' name." Amen. Hey, you were having headache again. I commanded headache to go in Jesus' name and it goes that's right. That's right. speak to the mountain that's another topic, anyway food is not the issue I said it isn't it yeah. now this one is going to blow your mind the issue is the word of God that's right. mm-hmm. food is not the issue the issue is the word of God because the devil is afraid of you identifying with the word Because when you agree with the word of God now, it begins to work in your life. Because remember, the word is the seed, and you are the ground. If the ground ground receives the word, and warms up the word, and waters the word, guess what? The word will germinate, and it will bring fruit. You see, because the word will bring fruit, the word will not only bring fruit, but a hundredfold. You know the story, the the parable we saw. And the word will... The word will destroy that dry season. It will destroy that harvest. That, that you know, that, that dry season, that wilderness, it will never happen again. But I just want to pick something here because you need to know what is written. Many believers they don't know this scripture. It's coming from the parable of the soil. Jesus was interpreting the soil that fell by the among stones. He says. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Like what we're doing right now. We receive the word with gladness. But because they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation and persecution arise for the sake of the word, they immediately stumble. Come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you go to work and you find the boss is really. Breathe in fire. That will shake you now. <laughs> Why? Because you have no roots. <laughs> Some of you, you don't even need a tsunami. Just a cool breeze, you start shaking. Is it about to catch a cold? You start putting all these coats and all these coats. Hey! Or you just hear that it's, you know. You just say that oh there's a, there's a there's a there's a there's a flu that is that is causing havoc in this school and you just go for your for, for your under vaccination. You're afraid of that thing that is coming. Why? Because you don't have roots. <laughs> you don't have roots. I can tell you in your company, If they say we are going to introduce you know, people here, some of you you begin to believe that you're vulnerable. <laughs> Because you don't live All I need to know is how many are staying. If they say one, you just say, oh, thank God. This right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. When you know who you are, guys, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Yes, First John chapter 5. The devil is shaking you and wobbling you. Why? Because you don't have roots. But anyway, let's move on. That was not my point. My point is, afterwards when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, the problems in your life are after your word in you. They are not after you. The boss who is nasty he is after the word in you because that word is intimidating him or her, And he wants to frustrate you so that you frustrate the word and the word will not, will not, will not arise. This also will help. This will bless you. Well, some of you say, you know, from the time I became a Christian, yeah, it was okay when I was just, you know, nominal going to church here and there, but when I started getting serious, things seemed to have gotten worse. I wonder, maybe this Christian thing is not a good thing. No. Do you know why things got worse? Because you now have the word. The non-believers who are your colleagues there, they, they are not attacked by the devil because they don't have your word in them. Why would the devil attack them when they have nothing? They are harmless to the devil. That's why they seem to have it good. But you are not having it good because you have got the word and the devil doesn't want the word in you to arise. But what you do is not to quit. What you need to do is to develop roots now. And when you develop roots now, you find that these tribulations and persecutions, they actually will help you to go to the the top. They stumble and fall. In fact, another version says they are offended. But I think what's, what's also important here is that because tribulations and persecutions are after the word. It means that it is not God who is responsible for the problems in your life. Amen. Amen. For the simple reason, why would God fight His word? (laughs) Huh? Why would God fight His word? But I tell you, they've been receiving it today. And some will even come for the evening service. They will receive it. God is teaching you. God has got, brought that wilderness experience because he's teaching you. You need to learn your lesson. Well, if he's teaching you, then you better learn it fast. Because you may not be able. There were only two, do you know that out of three million people, there are only two people that survived to the wilderness. Caleb and Joshua. Everybody else died. You need to have the Caleb the kind of faith then if you are going to enjoy. But you know what? They didn't learn anything there because they knew everything. They believed God anyway. They were just delayed. That's another point, but make sure you don't hang around people that enjoy the wilderness. They will delay you. They will delay you. And they will wear you down and you may even lose your faith in the process and fail to make it. Because the wilderness is terrible, friends, I tell you. Psalms 107 verse 20 says that He sent forth His word to heal our diseases and to stop us from our destructions. God is watching over His word to perform it. Not to destroy it. God is not guilty. Hallelujah. God is not guilty. Daily means. Did you know that food is connected to Righteousness. This is written, I'm showing you what is written Remember we're on this last point You need to know what is written In order to overcome the devil's temptation mm-hmm. Food, your daily needs They are connected To righteousness And for you to overcome temptation You must know what is written about food mm-hmm. You know why, it is, why you need to know about What is written about food Because it is a daily need And you cannot ignore it You may ignore it for a day, but after two days, you need food. That's the reality of life. But that's where many Christians are failing, they're falling down. I gave you an example, Esau. You know the story of Esau? He lost his identity because he wanted a bowl of soup. He lost his birthright. They inherited Now we have got the God of Jacob. We're supposed to behave in the God of Israel. But we can't now. why. Because he lost it. Because of food. He valued food over identity. And how many people are compromising their lives because of food over their identity, over who they are in Christ Jesus? This is so important. Let's go to the scripture. We know Jesus was talking, hey, bears, they feed, they, 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 they don't grow fields, but they know what? You haven't seen a dead bird. Flowers, even King Solomon could not dress like that. Mm. They don't go to hair salons, yeah. you know, and that kind of thing. And then he says, therefore, take no thought from verse 30, Matthew 6 30 to 33, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Now, these are daily needs. We need these. Let me write. For all of these things the Gentiles seek after, or the non believers. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Food is an addition. Hallelujah. It's an addition to righteousness. I just want to say two things here. Take no thought. In other words, take no thought, say. In other words, thoughts they come and you can't stop thoughts coming, isn't it? It's only when it has come that you can shoot it down. But you can take it and make it yours if you begin to speak it. The thought comes, oh you're a loser. The minute you say I'm a loser, you've taken it. It's now yours. Oh, you are a failure. and say, oh yes, I'm a failure. I'm good for nothing. You have taken it now. It's now yours. But if it comes and you ignore it, you come and you rebuke it, then it is not yours. And Jesus is saying, don't take thoughts. Don't say things that you don't want. Mm. Mm. But he goes on to say, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things added to you." Now, many Christians now we want these things to be added unto us. But we don't know how to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And if you don't know what is written now, you slip into religion and you'll be in so much pain. But I'm going to save you that because to understand this scripture, you need to go to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17 says... For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, "The just shall live by faith. In it, in what? In the gospel, not in the Bible, in the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed. The key point, friends, is that righteousness is revealed. It's not end. You don't work to understand the righteousness of God. It comes by revelation as you understand what is written. And when this righteousness... Now, what is written, it has to be in the gospel because it is in it. It's not in everything else. It is in this gospel which is the power of God unto salvation. And what is that gospel? We go back to our vision verse. By grace are you saved? It is the grace that is the power that saved you. So you need now to meditate on the grace of God. You need to meditate on the goodness of God. And as you meditate on that now, you get to know how God is righteous. When you know how God is righteous, then you know how God is faithful to you. Then you know who you are because as He is, so are you in this world. Mm-hmm. So you don't become more righteous. By bringing a lot of people to church. It is good to bring a lot of people to church. And you should. But you become more righteous. By feeding on the grace of God. What is written concerning the finished work of Jesus Christ. When you know how righteous God is. Through his word. That will translate into faith in your life. That will translate into unprecedented release in your life in Jesus name. Now here we go. Wrong food will lengthen the wilderness. That's right. mm. If you are feeding on wrong food, your wilderness will continue. Mm. And the temptations will be multiplied. Mm. Old covenant is wrong diet for you. <laughs> it's not nutritious. Did you know that it cancels faith? It it does. I'll give you some scriptures here. Galatians 3, 10 to 12. For as many are as are of the works of the law are under a curse, immediately you are there. There is no condition. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue in all things, not some things, which are written in the book of the law. In other words, if you do 99 and miss one, because you have missed one, you are just suffer the same consequences, the one who has missed all of them. Verse 11. But no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. But I tell you, it's not evident to many people. This scripture is simply saying, nobody can be justified before God by keeping the law. But how many people are trying to keep the law? And they think they are being justified by God. For they just shall live by faith, not by the law. Verse 12, yet the law is not of faith. Did you know that? Did you know that the law is not of faith? In other words, you can't keep the law and expect to operate in faith you at the same time. Because the law is not a faith. That's right. That's why I'm saying this is not a good diet for you. Mm-hmm. It will keep you spiritually retarded. Have mm-hmm. you some people who have been in church for years? But they know nothing. Because if you are feeding on the law, you're feeding on the wrong diet. Mm-hmm. And I can promise you here, we don't give you that. That's right. I always put it this way. We invite, we invite preachers to come here. And if I pick somebody wrong and they come and they preach the Lord, that'll be the last time they come here. I tell you. I tell you the truth. Amen. Amen. Now, it doesn't even end there. Old covenant law is not only wrong for that but it is no nutritional value. It is expired. Do you know that if you feed on expired food (laughs) it will create all sorts of pains in your life. Galatians 3.21 Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could give life truly righteousness would have been given by the law. What it means is that The law does not give life and the law does not make you righteous. Now here is, we're talking about food now. In other words, if it doesn't make you righteous now and you're seeking righteousness for everything else to be added to you and you're focusing on the law, you're blocking it. That's why people who are focusing on the law, they don't have these things as additions. They have to work for them. But when you are seeking after righteousness, which comes by revelation now, and you are not feeding on the wrong diet, guess what? They will become addictions. They will become addictions. Keeping the law, it blocks Matthew 6.33. Because Matthew 6.33 says, Go after righteousness. And, And this scripture is telling us that the law does not help you to get righteousness, it cannot even give you life. So, you see how your wilderness can be this. In fact, it becomes a vicious cycle. People say, ah, this one I'm used to it. It says, oh, yeah, I'm used to it. It's okay. You know, after a while I was struggling in the first six months, but now I'm okay. Okay in the wilderness. Galatians, we go to verses 22, 23 to 25. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Verse 24. Let me put it in another way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now the way of faith has come. We no longer need the law as our guardian. The law expired when Jesus came. Yes. <laughs> Don't feed on expired food. It brings all kinds of unnecessary pains. Mm. Hallelujah. Somebody will say, oh, "So, what is the right food?" The right food leads to, as I conclude, the right food leads to right living and right belief. And you may well as well guess: grace is the right food for you. Why am I saying this? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. Do not be carried about with various strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love this. I love this. Your heart should be established by grace not by all these other doctrines, all these kinds of foods, because those who tried it, they didn't profit. It didn't profit them. Here's another one. Don't mix these diets. Say, ah, okay, ah, okay, I'll take a little bit of this, and a little bit of that. You know, we do this, maybe maybe the ladies, you know, got some food, has been in the free for a couple of days, and it's kind of going, it's not quite bad, but it's kind of getting bad. Just say, ah, no, we can't just throw this away. Why not just take a lot of good food and then mix it and then people will not even feel it. You may get away with it, your physical food, but with this thing, you can't because you will vomit. You will vomit because Romans eleven six tells us if by grace, then it's no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. And if it's of works, it's no longer grace. Otherwise, work Is no longer work. You can't make grace continue to be grace if you add something onto it. Neither can you make work continue to be work when you add grace to it. They don't mix. Hallelujah. Covenants don't mix. So what are we saying? Be established in grace. Be a permanent resident in grace. I know some of you want to be visitors. When you feel it's too hot in the desert, you just say, Oh, let me go to this grace. Grace through faith and fool uh, myself. <laughs> it might be too hot, you don't have enough strength to get to the grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Be a permanent resident and enjoy the benefits in Jesus' name. We are talking about Jesus' number one temptation, turning stone to bread. It's all about the grace of That is what is written. Acts 20.32 So now, brethren, I command you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Grace will build you up. It strengthens you in times of temptations. And temptations happen every day. Because you've got to make decisions every day. Grace gives us an inheritance. Because it delivered us from the wilderness because Jesus is grace personified. The lessons we have learned today, as I conclude, is number one, you need to know the real target of the temptation. It's your identity. You need to know your identity in Christ because that is your number one defense post. And you need to know what is written. It is about the grace of God because that is your victory. I'll conclude by saying, don't miss next week. You will love it. But let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for your abundant grace. Abundance of grace that we have in Christ Jesus. That even right now, the wilderness is no more. People came here heavy. People came here confused. People came here worried, anxious, but I thank you my God, that because you overcame the devil we are overcomers we are more than conquerors I speak life to every dead situation in Jesus name I speak wholeness to every point where there is sickness, I speak completeness, salvation so so-so in Jesus name prosperity, yes deals, contracts, they shall come through in Jesus name and we thank you Father That you confirm your word with signs following. We await to receive the testimonies in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 (laughs) You are more than a conqueror. Remember who you are in Christ Jesus.